in the New International Version. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. And this is God's word. Well, as has been said earlier, this is the last part of our series on Philippians. And Philippians is such a a lovely and helpful book, isn't it? So many things to discover within it. And in this last part, uh, we're going to be talking about partnership. Um, if you're married, hopefully the partner that you're with is, uh, is someone who you'll be very happy with and acknowledge. <laughs> so when I say the word partnership, what, what comes to mind? I guess it's many things, isn't it? And uh, we just had a few of these uh, images here. Uh, could it be, who remembers Laurel and Hardy? <laughs> I remember see that, seeing those when I was young and, and uh, they were very funny. What about Abbott and Costello? I'm not talking about the politicians. <laughs> now, what about Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers? What an inspiration. Yeah, how beautiful was that? Now, when he went for a job, he was refused initially because they said he was a bit too tall, a bit too thin, a little bald on top, and rather angular. <laughs> okay, um, we have, uh, more recently, Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie. Um, you know, well, they, they, they were, for many people, the idols of how things should be, and unfortunately, that's come asunder. What about Kath and Kim? <laughs> what about Clark Gable and Vivian Lee? How romantic is that? Uh, or King Kong and Naomi Watts? <laughs> now there's a relationship that probably isn't going to go anywhere. <laughs> what about bananas in pyjamas? I mean, that is a, a long-term example of partnership, isn't it? Uh, confusing, because they look so much alike, you know. How would it be if you had a partner and you, you had to identify yourself by your collar? <laughs> okay, to be a little bit more serious now, let's go back to Philippians. And uh, we, of course, are in a partnership ourselves. And uh, in Philippians 2.13, it says, For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. 
So we're partners with God. 2 Corinthians 6, 1 to 16 puts it a different way. It says in the TLB, the the living version, sorry, TLB. Uh, it, It says, as God's partners, we beg you not to toss aside this marvelous message of God's great kindness. For God says, your cry came to me at a favorable time when the doors of welcome were wide open. How wonderful is that? Your cry came to me and the doors were wide open. I helped you on a day when salvation was being offered. And then it goes on a bit later on to say, now don't be teamed with those who do not love the Lord. Um, I've known many people in business and in other situations who have teamed up with people who were not the Lord's people, and it can be very, very difficult, can't it? 1 Corinthians 3.9, it says that, for we are God's fellow workers. It says you are God's field and you are God's building. What about John 15 in 4 and 5? It says... Abide in me and I in you. Now, how's that for a partnership? That's really close. Not only are we shoulder to shoulder, but there's an abiding in each other. And Jesus, of course, says in that that we need to abide with him because otherwise we're not going to bear positive things. We're not going to bear fruits in our life. And he says as a warning at the end of that, apart from me you can do nothing. Joshua 1.9, have I not commanded you? Be courageous and strong. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Sometimes it may not feel like that. But the promise of God to his people then and to us now is that I am with you. There's a partnership going on. And finally from uh, Philippians 4.15. And you Philippians yourself know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. There was a wonderful partnership going on as we've read through Philippians between Paul and the church there. In Romans 6, there's, there's also a reference to, to baptism, and it says, if we have been united with him, that's Jesus, in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. And lastly, in Ecclesiastes 4, 9 to 12, it talks about two people being better than one because they can help each other. And I'm sure you've gone to weddings and heard that many times, and it has a certain resonance uh, as we hear that in weddings. But it's also worth thinking about the context, and the context is much wider than that. And the context is really work. Uh, And it's talking about a person standing alone who can be attacked and defeated, but two standing back to back can conquer. It says three are even better for a three-braided cord is not easily broken. And of course, once again, we've had that used in weddings many times. But once again, it's wider than that because it's talking about us as people together and with God. So contrary to being alone, God is in favor of partnership. And Jesus reminds us in John 5.17, he says, he says his father still works. And more than that, he says the father and the son 
are together in a partnership. He says, my father is always working, and to this day, and I am working too. The church is a team as well. Sometimes it's a very well-functioning team, uh, and other times it's a little stressed. And so I think it's a good thing to reflect on what Solomon had been saying in Ecclesiastes, because he says that a well-functioning team that functions like a three-braided cord is going to have success versus individual effort. It's going to have greater productivity, these are the things he says, greater productivity, greater results, greater security, and greater benefit. There's a benefit to being in a team. Now, as I've said, if we're going to be authentic people, we need to recognize that partnerships do not always go well. Partnerships of any sort can have downsides. And I'm sure you've seen these around you. Marriage partnerships can be stressed if the people involved are too self-focused or if there's not enough mutual respect and care. Business partnerships can fail if the partners have different ideas on what should happen. And churches, as I've said, are partnerships also, horizontally with people who are in the church, but also, if you like, vertically with God. And Philippians on the matter of partnerships says to us that a partnership requires vision, first of all, a shared commitment to an agreed future. I wonder as we gather as a church, as we think about our future, um, can we at times move beyond just simply being at church and think about the vision that we have as a church? Um, we have a shared commitment to an agreed future. Uh, Philippians tells us that we also need to have peace. And peace, of course, depends largely on mutual respect. Not a peace at any price, because that's really cowardice, isn't it? Peace at any price is just surrender. Peace at any price actually involves a lack of love, a lack of commitment to deal with the challenges. And it actually undermines any vision that we have. And of course, Philippians also tells us that it's characterized by humility and unity and joy, which God provides for us. It's important to realize, I think, that partnership is God's invention. It's not something that we historically have just decided was a good idea. Um, it's something that God invented. Uh, it can be misused, but the concept of partnership is a God thing. And why is that, I wonder? Have you thought about why it's a God thing? And what I see in Philippians is that partnership is built into who God is. Paul was in partnership with God. He was in partnership with the church. And God was driving the mission. And Paul and others were involved. 
Uh, it's also elsewhere in the Bible revealed that the partnership is an act of creation and it's essential to the church. Okay, let's, let's look at a couple of things that come out of this thought. First of all, the Trinity. God is Trinity. And Trinity conveys an idea of a working together. Not only in creation and salvation, but beyond that. We see it in the Great Commission in Matthew 28. It's a partnership plan, and we are invited into a partnership plan. I love the fact, when I, when I consider my own salvation, my own becoming a Christian, that it wasn't just a, um, a plan that meant that here's something that you should take and that's the end of it. Uh, it, it was true for you as you became a Christian that you entered not only something that was good for you, a set of benefits uh, that might be sold to you, but it's something that enlivens your life. And part of the way that it enlivens your life is the partnership that's ongoing that you and I have with God and the partnership that we have together. It has to work out. As I've said, Paul was in Philippi just because he was in a partnership with God. And then there's a partnership which is human. Um, one part of that is Jesus coming to earth to live out what it means to be human. And he once again had this wonderful relationship with his Father in heaven. They had a partnership going on. And we see what a wonderful partnership Jesus also developed among his disciples and others. It was such a healing thing. The Father had commissioned him with a mission. It was a responsibility that came with that wonderful partnership. Another thing that we find in Philippians is authentic relationship. It's not just a task of doing things and doing things together, but it's, it's a tour of discovery. We find out who we are as we engage in that partnership. There are wonderful things to discover about ourselves and about others. And accountability is important, isn't it? Because I can think of two reasons, and I wonder if you have thought about these yourself. The first is, if we don't have accountability, it's difficult to trust someone who is unwilling to be accountable, first of all. And secondly, it's humiliating to be accountable to someone who does not trust you. The Philippians were called to a relationship that involved love and suffering and encouragement and majored on prayer as well. So maybe we should look at that and see what are those things as they apply in our own life, as they apply in our own community. Will we have a relationship that has depth? Um, I believe we have to a great degree. But we will need to understand that it involves love and it will involve to a degree suffering. But we will be encouraged and we have a means of developing our relationship with God and others through prayer. 
The wonderful thing that comes out of this, I think, is that you and I, individually, but also as a church especially, we're on a mission. We have a purpose. So not only are we enjoying something wonderful that God has poured into our lives, and not only are we having uh, this connection with other people, and we're all hopefully growing in that, but we have a purpose, we have a direction. We're actually living a shared story in life. You know, when Paul and Barnabas visited Pisidian uh, uh, Antioch and they preached in the synagogue, Paul recounted a story of God's people. He reflected back, who, who are we as a people? We actually uh, have a shared story. And he drew them back to the, the Jews back to their own story, quoting Isaiah 49.6. He reminds them that we are a light to the nations. And as, we, as they thought about it, I think there was some dissension between them because the reality was he was saying, this is who we are together. And perhaps within them they are thinking, mm, maybe we haven't actually lived that out. And so Paul's comments were a little bit thorny to them. So their story was one of always being sent. And what about the people of God now? Are we always aware or do we regularly think about the fact that we are a sent people? We are told that by Jesus that he has poured out his spirit upon us. Not just to make us feel good, but for a purpose. One of the purposes is to join us together as a people, and the other is to have a mission. If you were going to go out on a, on a mission, I wonder, who would you have as friends to do that mission? Would you have Laurel and Hardy? Who would you have? I just wonder, just think for a moment. Who, who would you have? Are the friends that you would have in here if you considered the fact that you were really going on a mission? It's not just about me. It's not just about us. But it's about all of us on a mission going somewhere. And I'm not pushing their hard and making people feel bad. I'm just saying this is something that, that I have to think about and I think we all have to think about. Our identity as the people of God is tied up in reaching other people. You see, when Peter talked to the early church, he said, he reminded them of their identity and he said, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him, him who called you out of darkness and into wonderful light. That came out in when Joel was preaching on Peter. He reminded them of their identity. He reminded them that sentness is part of who they are. And if we claim to be God's people, then we need to understand that we are sent too. 
And as we look around the church, we see these programs like Matt mentioned earlier. And they're so good to have in the church because people can come and relate to those in the church. And when they do that, they can also find out who this wonderful God is who invites them. Not only into eternity, but into wonderful relationships within the church as well. As we look at Philippians and working out not only our salvation, but working out who we are as we're sent, what I see is, is several things that are quite clear. First of all, we're to look out for the interests of our partners. Um, we're looking out for the partners that we have here in Erida Baptist Church. We find that in Philippians 2.4. It doesn't say Erida Baptist Church, but it does talk about who we should be as the people of God. I also see that we should have a servant attitude with Jesus as the absolute supreme example. Philippians 2, 5 to 9. I see that we continually need to meet our partner's legitimate needs in 2, 8. And I see that we should identify with our partners in 2, 7. You see, the reason is because God has put us together. Have you ever tried one of those jigsaw puzzles where the pieces are missing or they haven't been cut out very well? <laughs> I've done that and I felt like getting out the hammer at times <laughs> and beating this thing into shape. <laughs> it's got to fit. Uh, it's a frustrating experience, isn't it? Well, we don't want to do that, but we do need to acknowledge the fact that we have been cut into a particular shape, just like a jigsaw piece. And one of the reasons we are the shape that we are is that we are intended to fit into or connect with the life of someone else, particularly in the church. And the wonderful revelation that comes from that is together we are being built together in the Bible, it says, like stones of a temple. Uh, God is a great brick, bricklayer. You know, in my earlier years, I, I earned a bit of money as a bricklayer and uh, as a labourer in that area. And some things went awfully wrong because I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> and, uh, but God is a great bricklayer. And you and I will find wonderful satisfaction in our lives as we realise that no matter what we think of ourselves, no matter how bad things seem at times, you and I, each one of us, have a place. And God is building a temple. We are the stones, we are the bricks that he's putting together. And he's building something glorious. And we will love to be part of it as we understand that. I reflected lastly on, on theologian and writer N.T. Wright. And uh, he says that Philippians, the book of Philippians, will change our lives wonderfully if we only let it. There's a great deal in the letter which talks about how to think, how to think wisely, how to be discerning, how to think and connect with God, with Jesus and even internally within ourselves. There are so many people in our disconnected society who are not only disconnected from others,
but they're actually disconnected from themselves. There's a brokenness within ourselves. And we all have that to some degree. But the wonderful message I feel from Philippians is that as God builds us together, and we do in fact fit together so well under his hand, that there's healing. You, know, you and I will find healing as we let him do that. Okay, some quick things just to finish up. Paul's words in Philippians are greatly needed at this time because of the fracturing in society and the fracturing within people that we, we discussed just a moment ago. And this is what he says. Several things we need to know. We need to know our destiny. In Philippians 1, 3 to 26, Paul shows us the dramatic power of prayerful certainty, of God's perspective upon our lives. He was in prison, but he didn't lean to his own understanding. He leaned into these difficult circumstances and lived out God's will. All right, number two, know our worth as I've just talked about healing and how we are precious in God's sight, even if we don't feel it. Paul urged the Philippians to know what a worthy life looked like, Philippians 1.27. Number three, know how to think and love. When we come out from the world who is not connected to, to God through Jesus, uh, our thinking is very different. Think back on your own life. Uh, the time when you realized that you had stepped over the threshold from, from this particular approach to life to that particular approach to life. I, I can remember the occasion very, very clearly. But you see, Philippians in particular helps us to understand, number one, there is a big difference between how people think in general and how we are to think um, under Jesus. And it's doable. Same with love. You know, we think of, of love in, in so many ways in our former life. Uh, mainly it's about self-satisfaction, isn't it? You know, we were seeking to fill the hole inside ourselves, and so we do whatever we need to do to try and fill that hole. And it's never satisfactory, and the reason it's never satisfactory is because it's not provided by God. Like I said, we... We are a particular shape. We're a particular shape not only to connect with other people, but we're a particular shape within ourselves to connect. And only God can put that together. We need to know our master, Jesus. You know, in Philippians 2, 5 to 11, there's, there's almost a hymn there. It's a wonderful, wonderful revelation of who Jesus is. And one of the phrases there from that is, being in very nature God, yet he did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. And what a wonderful model that is for us as a church. How we would love to tell the world that there is a better way. And how we would like to live within ourselves this much better way. We need to know how to access our past. In 1 Philippians 3, 1 to 21, Paul shows us a way to embrace our future, a way to deal with our past. How do we deal with the terrible things we've experienced in the past very often? What do we do with the shame? 
How do we free ourselves from that and move on? Well, Paul shows us a way. See, Paul had a very impressive resume, but he's truthful about his past. He doesn't overstate it, and he doesn't excuse it. He just says that what I had was not right, even though I thought it was. I've given my life to Jesus. What I had was rubbish, and if you look into the, what the word rubbish means, it means a lot more than just rubbish. <laughs> uh, it's something that, you know, is foul. And he says, I put that apart, put that aside. I thought I was, I thought I was good, but I wasn't in Jesus' eyes. But now having given myself to Jesus, I have the potential to live this wonderful life and I know that there's greater things ahead. Uh, la uh, second last, know the value of our friends in Christ. It's easy to take friends and our church community for granted. And from Philippians 4, 1 to 23, we learn that Paul didn't do this. It's a beautiful chapter and I hope you, that you had read it. It's a beautiful final chapter that contains so many loving things. It contains corrections, and we might sort of feel a little uncomfortable with that, and perhaps they did it in their time as well, because we assume corrections with being uncomfortable and painful, but corrections can be loving as well, and they were from Paul. But also he balanced that with words of encouragement, and so should we as we relate to one another in a church. We can be greatly encouraged by others. And the final point, we know a hope from Philippians. Just looking at some of the programs on TV about suicide and things like that, there are so many people who have run out of hope. And they injure themselves severely, um, and some of them take their lives. Uh, we had a tragedy just recently where, where a man had killed his children. Uh, his wife was not actually in the house at that time. But he killed his children and severely injured himself. And that's happening so often. You watch that on the TV and say, what, what can happen with those circumstances? Well, here is the answer. You know, in, in God, in Jesus, we have hope a hope that is continuous, a hope that will not disappoint. From Philippians, we begin to understand that we have potential, both as individuals and as a church, to step into a new season of faith, unity, empowerment, and mutual comfort. We have a hope that does not fail. I hope that you have that hope. Um, if you have not yet got that, please talk to somebody who is a member of the church. And they will help you understand that things are not right at the edge of desperate. Uh, that you do not have to consider taking your life. Um, that despite how things look, God has an answer and he is inviting you to participate in that. Okay? So thank you, God, for 
for giving us this hope. Thank you, Lord, that you are gracious. Thank you, Lord, that you not only consider us worthy to be part of eternal life, but that you want us to step into the better life that you have for us right now. And it doesn't depend on our strength. It depends on your faithfulness. And we thank you so much for that, Lord. And we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. And when we...